know me, I can say absolutely anything. And like I have an alter ego? Literally, I have no problem That's saying. That's wicked. Yeah. Sometimes I wish that I was in character in order to sort out my everyday problems. That's so interesting. Mm. We'll can I just say at this point, we actually have started recording. <laughs> I hope you don't mind. Oh, no. Um, so <laughs> we would normally start with our, our theme, which we'll, we'll, we'll punch it in somewhere along the line. But um, <coughs> I just thought that would be really nice. We're getting a real natural thing there. So feel free to continue. I s- it's one thing that made me think was I spoke to my old PE teacher not long ago, and he was listening to a podcast, or I think he was reading the book, which said, which was basically saying that to develop an alter ego is a natural part of human nature. Um, which is why kids do it. Like kids mm. will feel like they've got superpowers when mm. they put on certain um, costumes. The same reason why a man might feel sli- slightly different when he's wearing a suit. Um, oh, absolutely. I mean, I I think in like as you know, as someone who makes hats as a, a designer as as well as a drag artist, when I design a hat, I'm making it for a character. So cool. And then when I am a character, I'm. It's almost like I'm pulling from a part of me that exists but I don't portray it to the real world if mm. that makes it's a hidden element of you oh big time yeah. big time and I, I it's also like back with the suit situation when you wear a suit you carry yourself differently um, and it's the same with everyday clothing when we wear everyday clothing we carry ourselves differently and it's the same with drag um, so how did you find your uh, Madame Moomoo then your alter ego how uh, <laughs> how did I become Madame Mumu or how did I just find it? Because I, I think it's very natural in terms of finding the, you know, you you just, when the moment you put on an, a sense of armour or a sense of um, your battle clothes, so mm. to speak, uh, or leave your front door, you're putting on a sense of uniform. It switches, and it, doesn't it? A big time. It just, yeah. It's almost automatic in terms of developing the character and material that just comes as you grow in confidence. Okay, so you um, practice a big time. But big it's the, time. It, the 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 uh, the task of doing it is your practice. So the performance almost becomes a practice, and that's the oh. the point where you very organically grow. The character grows within Go, what you're doing. Yeah, I should say at this moment in time, we've started our podcast, but we've not said who's here. Um, so let's let's just start real quickly, and then <laughs> we can continue this. I'm sorry to interrupt earlier, but we've got Chris Garner. Say hi, Chris. He's Hello. There, so Hello. Voice. Charlie Barnes. Hello. The lovely Charlie. Elliot Reed is joining us again. Thank you, Elliot. Hello. And Danusha Francis as well Hello. joining. So <coughs> let's go. I love this that we're just starting. This is we're just starting fresh. Go on. Let's go. We're talking <coughs> about modes, weren't we? Really? I call it modes. So I have modes. Uh, podcast mode. Tom Knight has podcast. You know whatever he is doing that. Uh, teacher mode. I've got my on stage mode. Um, and I don't ever sort of go right now. I'm walking into Beach Sound Studios. I now must be in podcast mode. It just kind of just clicks just clicks yeah um and i think there'll be a bit of a blur for me between on stage mode and and in this room doing this mode so yeah it is something that grows isn't it uh, big time i mean i I've, I've always uh, i mean as a gymnast when you're competing i've always found it fascinating i will go on my run for example and i'll be like oh my god why do we do this to ourselves why do we put ourselves through this training but for you as a competitor you must just know that mode when it comes on and you it clicks surely do you yeah. have to think about yeah. it do you um, like you said, you don't have to think about it, but once you've got that leotard on, you've got your makeup on. It's and the same for me with my leotard on, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it takes me ages, but yeah. 
<laughs> shouldn't yeah. joke really, should I? But yeah, it's, it's the process, isn't it? You go through to get to that stage. Yeah, and I wonder if it's similar for you. Like the bigger the crowd for me, the more I'm like in that mode and I'm like ready for uh, it. And yeah. I love a big audience and just taking the energy from them. I, I think it's uh, funny enough when you're in a, a theatre production or any form of show or um, if people's energy is not like if you if it's like a negative energy you really feel that and it really affects your performance mm. um and if it's it's not an old worksman blaming his old his well, own it's really tools yeah but anything from nothing isn't it? exactly it's it's um if you're getting a reaction from people and you're reading the room and you're you're able to be like oh my god they're really rowdy it's a big crowd it's going to be fun mm. um usually you can tell the moment you step out like your drag friend mm -hmm. um you know if someone in a sense says something and you can respond really quickly that's a really good judgment of how the crowd's going to be how receptive they'll be to it yeah yeah charlie how much is that because charlie's joining us today as our musician uh, in the studio um and you you, you and you, you have your band follow the hawk and i know that you perform in functions bands as well i mean how does that work for you is it a similar sort of thing that you sort of switch it on or yeah kind of um like when you go out on stage it doesn't matter how many people you're performing to or personally, it doesn't matter how many people you're performing to, and you should make it like every single gig is the biggest gig you've ever played. Mm. Um, obviously, anyone that's been in local bands or, or smaller acts will know we're all very, very used to playing to three people <laughs> in a venue. It happens yeah, all the time. It does. Um, best foot forward. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you've just got you've just got to go and put the best show on that you can at that moment. And obviously, it's not the same every single time. Uh, you take into account that someone might be having a bad day or something like that, but but um, yeah, when you go on stage, it's just yeah, switch as you say, it changes. Um, and I've also got a little bit of experience in theatre land as well, um, and it's the same thing. You go out on stage and you become a character, and that's almost yeah, the same on stage as a musician. Yeah. I'm Charlie in my everyday life wearing dungarees like it's normal um and then i go out on stage and i'm charlie from follow the hawk i'm loud i'm boisterous i'm very sweary different I'm beast yeah kind mm. of yeah very uh it's your escape very perhaps isn't it yeah yeah, yeah, very, yeah, very drunk. yeah. it is an escape yeah, yeah it is an escape and and yeah you can hear that in the music as well mm. which is cool i think um it wasn't something i was ever particularly aware of only in uh, within the last sort of five or six years was i aware that i even did it and it was listening to a, an interview with Paul Weller, which I think I've referred to in a previous podcast. And he was saying how he gets really nervous uh, still before he performs. And uh, and how he said, and he was saying that he has to see the venue. I don't know if it's the same for you or for anyone that's performing. Like, I have to see the room I'm going <coughs> to do it in so I can get a feel for it. Uh, it. Even empty. So if it's a completely new venue, I have to go and look at it. That's my recce, you know, is obviously to make sure it's okay to play in. But also, all right, what could, what, what's the potential here? And then, yeah, as, as soon as I step out um, onto that stage, it just clicks. And he said exactly the same. He said as soon as his foot hits that stage, all those nerves have gone. Mm. Um, it's just fascinating. It, it, I, I think, <coughs> pardon me, when you have, um, say, for example, if you get booked for a gig and you don't know the venue, um, uh, kind of anxiety builds because you think, okay, this is an unknown space. Mm. So by just going there... I mean, it has so many pros to it. It makes you look really professional because people are like, wow, <laughs> they want to check the venue out yeah. beforehand. Um, but it's getting rid of that bit of unknown 
which yeah, is removing um, that barrier. Isn't yeah, it? it's really powerful, and yeah. it's it's I I live by this saying. It's uh, called prepare, prepare, prepare to avoid a piss poor performance. <laughs> and it's it's, yeah, it's that's my dad's six P's. Yeah. Perfect planning prevents piss poor performance. There you go. There you go. Thank you, Bob Knight. There you go. <laughs> First reference to my th- episode number what eleven? No, twelve. <laughs> Shit, you just did eleven. <laughs> Should have known as well. <laughs> <laughs> this is our second session for the day, and I think um, uh, it would be really cool at this point just to sort of go around to see who we've got. I know we've got names, but just to hear a little bit about what each of you do. And obviously, Elliot, you're rejoining us. Um, what's been happening since we, we last spoke to you? Episode two <coughs> was really successful. We had a lot of real positive stuff come back, and a lot of people were saying, you know, how, how amazingly uh, motivational uh, it, it was to hear your voice. So what's been happening for you since I last saw you? So as a clinic, with the lockdowns, we've kind of just been rolling with the punches, Um so personal training for the majority of the time was online, mm-hmm. but we've still been able to treat people for injuries. And I, I think that one thing that we've definitely noticed is, I suppose, the waves in how c- the community is feeling. I think there's a lot more people with um, acute mental downturns or mental illness surrounding the current lockdown, far more in comparison to before. Yeah. So we're seeing a lot of patients now come to the clinic and a lot of clients as well for personal training. Um, who are presenting with pain um, or weight gain, which is the tip of the iceberg for what's going on underneath, which mm. might be financial insecurity, could be the fact that they feel like they're, they've turned into hermits and they haven't been able to leave their living room. Um, so it's interesting for us, but we're doing as best as we can to fulfil the needs of the community as well. Good. I think you guys have done amazingly well to keep going through it. And uh, yeah, you. kudos to you, because there's a lot of people that need it. So. Mm. Are, uh, are you getting any like funding from the government to a touch? Yeah, so we're getting a touch of funding to help with the overheads, but we're st- we're still about uh, we've lost about a hundred grand overall. Yeah, it's got, it's a bit, <laughs> but we're rolling with the punches. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, I love the fact you're saying that with a smile on your face. So you got to man. <laughs> through. Yeah, you have got to. Yeah, yeah and, and I'm sure <coughs> knowing how proactive you are, mate. It, It'll be fine. Yeah, yeah be you fine. will be absolutely fine. Um, it's really tough for a lot of people out there, isn't it? Mm. I've seen it, you know, with with a lot of my students in my school, the sort of mental health things, and and in particular the beginning of lockdown two. Um, you know, the amount of people who oh no, we're going again, and and it's almost that they had a period a time off from it, uh, and then to go back is really well, hit those anxieties even harder. I think for a lot of people, but. Yep, we've got a roll on it. We're in tier three now, so uh, can't do anything. Can't even have a substantial meal and a beer, can we? But hopefully soon we will be able to. But is it okay for Christmas? We can meet two other households? Is that three, right? I think. Three. I don't really understand it. but Three okay. in total, yeah. Three in total. So. Okay, cool. And I, I think the the, the the United Kingdom is going to think, oh, okay, well, that's three in total on five separate days. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, Rather than three in total that's what the I whole thought. day. It's great. Yeah. It's okay. I can get all the family in. Yeah. Go every three every day. Different. But then... <laughs> I, I think in terms of the way they branded this, I mean, it, it, it kind of, you know, it doesn't make sense how if we're in tier three, we can still go to London, which is in tier two. It's almost like if you're in tier three, you shouldn't be going you anywhere. stay in tier three. Yeah. And it's um, it's a, you know, a catch 22 because you've got to, you know, we need to survive. Mm. We we need to be human. And, and, and for, look. Some, for some reason, this is the most optimistic I've seen. British, pe- British people, I think, are traditionally quite pessimistic. But when it comes to lockdown, they always look on the bright side. So like, you <laughs> can meet, all they've got. Yeah, you can meet three yeah. people at <laughs> least one at once every day. Like, that's like 15 households yeah. overall. Yeah. We're in tier three, but we must still be able to grab a pint. We must be able to still go around <laughs> to other people's houses. Yeah. Is no, it's the answer to yeah, it. Yeah. No, you cannot. <laughs> <laughs> Moments of sadness. Um, okay, so let's, um, Chris, just tell us a little bit about 
who I know we've said who you are, but what do you do? Um, so I, I work as a milliner uh, during the week. So Monday to Friday. Well, at the moment, full time because yeah. <laughs> I've got no drag work. Um, so I work as a milliner. A milliner is someone who makes hats. So my label is Julian Garner Headwear. It was um, a, a label that I've dreamt of since I was 11 when I lived in Zimbabwe. And um and then an opportunity presented itself where I could support my label by working eight days a month, earning the same amount of money I was earning when I was working in London uh, in buying and product development, working as a drag artist and hence how Madame Mumu came about. Um, so, yeah, that's that's what I do. And Madame Mumu, um, is she solely uh, based in Maidstone at Mumu? Yeah, it, it, it's a it's really it's kind of a tough one because um the owner obviously you know offered me the position and how it came about full time is I um an act didn't turn up and I was like okay well we've got to put something on so we kind of put on this last minute emergency burlesque show um and from that he was like oh we don't have a compare who's going to compare and I said oh I will and I didn't have an ounce of material I just thought I would go out there and and do it and this comes back to the armor of once you've got your drag on, your makeup, your costume, your leotard, your uniform, you're going to just, uh, your guitar, <laughs> don't leave you out. My, my dungarees. Yeah, and, your dungarees. Yeah, <laughs> um, you just have all the power in the world. And I, I kind of went out there and I did what I did and I introduced the next act and I came back to have a costume change, which I never did before. I was kind of just like a host and I would sit people at the table and then sit on a window ledge and watch the show. And my boss was laughing and said you know you can earn xyz doing this every weekend and a penny dropped and i was like fuck oh, yeah. wow okay. That's okay okay i'll have some of that so, so <laughs> i i kind of mulled over it for a while and um in about a week later i had my three month notice into harrods where i was working at the time and um they were all like, oh, you know, what are you going to do? And I was like, I'm going to run my label. And they're like, how are you going to support it? It was such a corporate world. And I was like, well, for the last two years, I've been working part time as a drag artist. And they were like, what? <laughs> and I was, yeah. And it, it was funny because my um, the guy that worked on the desk opposite me, he would often say, you know, oh, your, your, your eyes look really pretty, like what's going on and i'll be like oh i just had my eyelashes tinted but in actual fact i had like leftover mascara on my eyes <laughs> and then i'll come in some weeks and i'll be covered in glitter and be like have you been crafting again i'll be like yeah yeah house full of glitter and i remember stood at a printer on my first night as madame mumu in the opening and um uh i was i had kind of to get back from london to maidstone get off the train get to mumu and do my makeup so I was like I'll get tucked and ready in London so at literally quarter past five I got my tights on and my control pants and you know tucked and put my suit back on and I'll sit at the printer printing out reports going I'm in stockings and no one knows <laughs> I'm in stockings that was a real blur of your modes yeah really. it was yeah. it was like it was really confusing I was like I wonder how many other like you know heads of departments are wearing <laughs> sexy lingerie under their suit <laughs> it was really interesting I would like to believe more than we probably imagined yeah, yeah. well I hope <laughs> I hope there are more but that's yeah. great all right well thank you for that and um, we'll come back a, a little bit to how 
um, the sort of the, the creation of uh, Madame Moo Moo and how that's built and your label as well. Mm. Um, and so, Charlie, just tell us a bit about you. I know you're a musician. Um, I don't know. think I can follow that. Well, so no, I think you I'm can give it a go. Like I want to know what's under the dungarees. Yeah, I'm, I'm wearing <laughs> stockings right now. Yeah, um, yeah I, um, I play music as you as you just said yeah um and i've played since i was uh, a teenager i started learning guitar myself uh taught myself my dad is a guitarist uh, my mum is a singer so it was kind of built into me on the cards was not it yeah i learned piano when i was really young and then obviously as i as i went into secondary school i was like too cool for piano little did i know i was not too cool for anything um and yeah so when i got to about 13 14 years old uh, me and my friend Robbie at school, we decided to start taking guitar lessons, which turned into a bit of a DOS, really, a way of getting out of class. Mm. And and for the first little while, we didn't really learn anything because we were just mucking around. <coughs> uh, and then we started to teach ourselves. And, uh, yeah, w I've been with him now as a, as a musical partner for years, um, and he's been in nearly every single band that I've ever been in. He's my lead guitarist <coughs> in Follow Hawk. Yeah, I don't really know. There's much more to the story than well, that. Well, what sort of stuff does Follow the Hawk do? I mean, you're you're a rock band. Yeah, like hard rock, um, a mix of like kind of grunge and punk, and uh, there's some more poppy, catchy elements in there. It's really feisty stuff, isn't it? It is very feisty. Uh, yeah, we've got a new EP coming out um, in 2021, uh, which is a little bit softer, more commercial than the first EP that we released in 2018 mm. uh, called Keeping Up Appearances that you can listen to on Spotify. Nice. You'll um, get your chance to plug, don't yeah. worry. Yeah. It's coming. I'll just it's coming. Make sure I get in there. Um, <laughs> as yeah. many times as you can. <laughs> yeah. Just get that phrase in. Yeah, so I try and keep on keep <laughs> keeping up appearances. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, yeah, hopefully this, this EP will come out and um, we've been recording it with uh, Ben Waters of Forgotten Media Group um, who's amazing. He recorded our first one as well. Um and yeah, we're just going to, as soon as lockdown finishes, I just want to play shows again. You know what it's like. Yeah. Um, you know what it's like. Actually, we all know what we it's all like know, yeah. in, in all of our businesses. Um, getting out there and doing that thing that we love so much. And and um, yeah, it's, it's really weird. What Elliot was saying before about the first lockdown, how everyone was as optimistic as possible. And even myself, I remember being like, oh, well, you know, we'll just get through this and then it will be all right. Yeah, it was the same. Come back back in September, I was saying. Yeah, exactly. Band. We'll have gigs in September. Yeah, and we'll be I'll be able to do the Christmas shows and stuff yeah. like that, and, uh, and it'll be fine. And then second lockdown hit, and I was like, oh god. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was it was like a, the breakdown that had been waiting to happen. Oh, amazing. Um, I just wanted there's like, there's no end in sight. I just need to get out and play, um, which is a very selfish thing to think of, really. It's not. It's it's our therapy, I think. Because and then again, that's not something I ever really realised until. I mean, I've been fortunate <coughs> to have one or two gigs. Um, it's socially distanced, uh, and sort of during the period where we weren't in another lockdown, and I didn't. When I did that first one, it it was emotional. Like it was standing up there thinking, "Wow, I really miss playing Mr. Brightside." Oh, yeah. oh, Never yeah. oh, ever did I ever think I would say that, <laughs> you know. And <coughs> and I was sitting there thinking, like, just the interaction with the crowd and all of those things. You know, suddenly it really hit me that oh, man, this this is you know, I need this. This is this is obviously part of who I am and. I think when you do something so much, it just to not do it, yeah, it's like removing a limb, isn't it? You know, it's constantly, uh, yeah, it's tough to deal with, I suppose. We we had a gig booked for the twelfth of December, uh, and then lockdown happened, and then it was like, okay, lockdown's going to finish. We're going to tier two, like 
and <laughs> we'll all be fine and we'll still be able to play the show mm. and uh and oh kingston tier three yeah oh, bloody great and um <laughs> that was yeah that was really disheartening i think we got ourselves so geared up for yeah. it and ready you're ready to go and we had some ideas like we were going to do a mini acoustic set beforehand which is something we've never done before and uh, we were all really excited and yeah and now yeah we're just waiting again but you're still busy, uh, like in the studio and stuff. Like you, yeah. What we should say at this point, we are recording this in December, but this podcast is going to be released in January. Yes. Um, and thank you very much for you know coming to see me in December. But uh, you've actually got a Christmas song uh, coming, and I listened to it last night, and, and I listened to it after listening to your other tracks, and I actually thought that I've got the wrong the wrong track. band. I thought yeah. this is not them, surely. <laughs> and it's a complete uh, and utter change. So I love it. By yeah. the way, it's brilliant. Thank you. Thank you very much. So in to, in 2015, we wrote and recorded a Christmas song uh, which was in part he helped by um, we, we wrote the music and we just couldn't really get the lyrics right and luckily enough my uncle who's a musician sat down with us and we kind of um, hashed out loads of ideas and it ended up being a song about my granddad my uncle's father um, and it was uh, very poignant in the lyrics but then obviously it was a hard rock track as well mm. so we really sat in 2015 um, and we dedicated that to a charity called Community Christmas, uh, in which people could download the track and pay money for it, and then all that money would go to the charity, who help elderly, lonely, vulnerable people over the festive period. Mm. People that don't usually have a place to go or people to see Contact. at Christmas. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, 2020 happened uh, five years later, and me and Martin, <coughs> our bassist, sat down and we were like, wouldn't it be good just to kind of re-release the Christmas song with a new, fresh edge? And and he was like, yeah. And he started, he plays piano as well, so he started sitting down and he was playing the piano. And he was like, what about something like this? And he, he played a nice piano bit. And I was like, wow, that really, like, resonates with wh what's going on at the moment. And, like, I sang the vocal over the top of it in, in a lower register, more... Uh, solemn style mm. um and yeah we, it just went from there and it, it became almost like a coldplay-esque anthem it, it, it sort is of just totally different song. yeah so it's really but different. it is um it is very uh it does tie in very nicely with what's happening at the moment I exactly thought that was a, yeah. a really good trick i do think it will hit a lot of the hit a lot of the feels for a lot of people hopefully as well. yeah um, and and we're dedicating that to uh re-engage who are a charity who look after once again elderly elderly vulnerable and lonely people all year round mm. so they have taken on community christmas community christmas have joined forces forces with them and uh, so yeah instead of this time instead of um paying for the download you can download the track for free and there's a link to go straight to the website cool. and, and uh donate there because we thought people are low on cash at the moment yeah you, man. you can't really well despite this um, podcast coming out in january do do make sure you're putting up on our um uh, socials uh, now yeah. uh, you know anything like that and you know it's a little way of helping and putting something out there uh, to support it as well so yeah, yeah it sounds great and uh, I'll, I'll encourage all of you in here to have a listen to it and uh, mm. yeah get it to number one yeah let's get it yeah let's do it that will be number one not another song about sausage rolls hopefully no although that's good as well that was for charity of course sausage rolls in just in general right exactly you heard it here first follow the hawks Christmas number one imminent we're going to skip over you Elliot I'm sorry mate but we're going to talk to Danusha very quickly Danusha tell us a little bit about you who are you what do you do why are you here 
So I'm a gymnast. <laughs> I've been doing gymnastics almost all my life since I was five. Um, I used to compete for Great Britain and now I compete for Jamaica. And I've qualified for the Tokyo Olympics. So definitely relate to you all with the waiting game. It's obviously been delayed a year with coronavirus. Um, but I also do coaching and I do a bit of stunt work as well. So yeah, right, busy. Stunt work. Yeah. Anything notable that we would know that you've been in? Um, so there's a movie coming to Netflix called The Midnight Sky um, with George Clooney. It's out on December 23rd. Um, and then Wonder Woman. Wait, will. you weren't stunt woman for, uh, for George Clooney, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't look enough like him, apparently. <laughs> but um, I was doubling another actress, okay. Tiffany. Um, and then Wonder Woman 1984 comes out, I believe, December 25th. Oh, but cool. Um, yeah, so nothing I've been in has come out yet, but those two are coming soon. <laughs> but it's soon. on its way. <laughs> Everything is on hold for you, really. Yeah, literally. It? Oh, so frustrating. Okay, yeah. so tell us a little bit about uh, Tokyo. That's next year now. Yeah, so they delayed it pretty much a whole year. Right, okay. And you're still having to keep that level of prep. I mean, I could, couldn't even begin to imagine the level of preparation and training that you need to go to to it's be Olympian. Because I complain <laughs> yeah. about the 45-minute sessions that we boxed together earlier, let's face <laughs> it. But, I mean, how are you, sort of? because there must be a mental sharpness you've got to maintain for an extra year. How on earth are you doing that? What's your, what's, well, how? Yeah. Tell me the secrets. Well, and also at the age of 26, I'm quite old in the gymnastics world. Right. So um, I retired once before for a year and a half. Um, so it's just definitely been like a dragged out process. In 2012, I was reserved for the Great Britain team. And then in 2016, I qualified to the Olympic test event, but Jamaica chose to use another athlete. So this is like my third shot of getting to the Olympics. And then now it's been delayed another year. Um, but I'm so proud of myself to have qualified. So that's kind of a peace of mind. Um, that I'm definitely going, yeah. even though it's delayed. Um, and yeah, luckily I've got great coaches and um, great atmosphere in training. So training is not something I dread or anything like that, but it's definitely tough. And these, this body definitely feels older than 26 each day. Like my back hurts and just joints. And Elliot gives me massages. Luckily, he's a he's a good one to have around. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. We should point it out at this moment that you are um, to be wed. Uh, isn't just a really weird relationship. <laughs> <laughs> we've just I'm, highlighted. I'm an osteopath as well. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because I mean, we came and he's offered us all massages as we came in, uh, just with two broomsticks from a distance. It's very therapeutic. It's good. Um, that's great. I can't. I genuinely cannot even begin to like imagine that mental preparation. And you know, I know that for you, much like we've been discussing, that switching on of the mode. Um, probably comes quite naturally now but um yeah well we will be following and, and keeping a close eye on your progress in thank you in, in tokyo gosh and what so what y it's with your gym stuff what what is it specifically do you do the floor is it the floor i mean yeah. i'm so ignorant with it all so i, I do don't know their names i know what they look like yeah so i do artistic gymnastics so for women that's four events floor vault bars and beam wow. so you got one out of four good work thank you thank <laughs> you very much charlie have you ever done any gym stuff Gym stuff or gymnastics? <coughs> gymnastics stuff. Have um, been on the floor? Do you? Are you? Th is this with the <laughs> tape? Do you do the one with the tape? Red no, thing? no, <laughs> that's a different one. Is that completely <laughs> different? <laughs> I lay down a lot on the floor. If that makes, it's comfy. Yeah. A padded floor is probably even better. Sprung floor. Yeah, yeah, yeah nice. Yeah. I, we, I think we should do some sort of uh, Charlie Barnes, Tom Knight gym routine, floor routine. Floor routine. It's literally <laughs> just laying down. Yeah. <laughs> Rolling. <laughs> trying I'm to sure get I up. can get you doing cartwheels. Okay. I'm not sure about that. I'm Let's not, do uh, it. My <laughs> centre of gravity is not good enough. I actually, um, I love gymnastics. Like, it, when the Olympics comes around, it's probably my favourite part of the Olympics. I it's think just so artistic and great. I think, I think gymnastics is 
one of those sports, which is obviously impressive. Mm. I think when people watch, for example, boxing, they see two men throwing fists, but they don't really know how hard it is. Same with 100 meter sprint, you just see someone running fast. You but think gymnastics is yeah. obviously impressive. Yeah. It's, you see someone with real superpowers. I yes. think this oh is the way 100%. I see it. Like, you to get from that corner to that corner, and in between, you've done about a thousand flips and spins and twists. Yeah. You mm. know, whereas, you know. <laughs> For me, a trip over in the little <laughs> little forward roll, maybe you know. As long as you stick that land in, though, and <laughs> you're right. Landing and jazz hands at the end is that? Yeah, that's always, how they teach you, right? Always the nice jazz yeah. hands. Well, I've got that bit sorted. Spirit fingers. <laughs> there you go. See there. Halfway there. <laughs> I think I'm I'm way more uh, less than halfway. So <laughs> um, obviously, you know, the idea behind um, the podcast is that you know it originated with it being a bit of a weight thing for me, but it's kind of moved uh, towards the sort of mental health aspects a, l- a lot more because I think that the health and fitness things kind of fall within that anyway. Um, so I, I, we've spoken about lockdown. You know, I, I'd be curious to know how it sort of really, um, you know, the, the impact for you guys with regards to just stopping everything. You know, what was your initial thoughts when back in March we were like, nothing to do? Where, where did you go to, Chris? I mean, because... jeez. Oh, um, I feel like it's opening a can of worms. Um so when I, I've got to kind of go back to kind of explain how I am, where I am. When I first moved to this country in 2004. So wait, I, just tell people where you. I used to live in Zimbabwe yeah. in Africa, southern Africa. And um, when I moved to this country in 2004, I didn't stop. Um, and what I mean by not stopping is in terms of being able to cope with what I experienced I just worked um at one stage I had three jobs and it was you know Monday to Sunday and I kind of that's how it's always been with me and I've always known that there's been an underlying issue with what I went through but kind of never really faced it and when COVID hit all of a sudden there was this downtime and you could think and those things bubble to the surface a little correct bit. and would you be happy to share a little bit about yeah about I, I, I think it's a way of, of dealing with it it's um i've been diagnosed just recently i mean i've to be honest to get to that diagnosis i was kind of passed from post to post but i suppose it's back to the funding of the government it's um the first therapist i dealt with which was on ieso therapy which is an online therapy and he basically said that what i went through were i was showing symptoms of ptsd and i was like jesus that's quite like you know it seemed quite strong and then um basically i spoke to my doctor because i was waiting for paperwork to come through and um then they spoke to mental made some mental health and you know they were like oh this person doesn't need to be seen they're fine to which my doctor was like they they do thank god and now i've i've obviously got a severe um anxiety disorder um and it's it's obviously i'm taking medication for it but i'm very anti-taking drugs of of any form mm. just because i think you've got to deal with the pain um so i've had like two therapy sessions at the moment with an amazing charity which are called um we are with you which have actually been set up because of covid right um and it's frustrating because for me, my issues aren't coming necessarily from COVID. My anxiety has been heightened because of COVID because it's that fear of losing everything again. Um, but, you know, the, the, I'm, I'm grateful that I've been seen to by someone rather than, you know, not being seen by anyone at all. Yeah. Admittedly, if I could go private, I would, but the prices of private, uh, you know, private therapists are like crazy, but rightly so mm. because, you know. It's such a such an amazing um <coughs> excuse me amazing job that they do yeah it? big time and they can somehow kind of just they 
look into your brain and just know you. And that's what I found with the therapist I had anyway, that mm. over the telephone, this lady was in, in within about five minutes able to just get everything about me just from the you know the answers that I'd maybe given to the questions she'd had. Yeah, it's the also the tools that um, my therapist is called Martina and she's Irish. And um, I was really worried at first um, where I was like, oh, because you've got to gel with your therapist. You've got to kind of think to yourself, am I going to be okay with this person? And the moment she picked up the phone and introduced herself, I was like, I like the sound of you. Mm. You're, you you know, you, you seem really kind of um, easy to talk to. And she has been, and the, the tools are really interesting and kind of how that doubt monster, that um, imposter syndrome that we have that makes you feel the way you feel, mm. how you can kind of, you know, get down to the bottom of it by doing, s you know, certain exercises. And it, was, it was Sam, Sam uh, Supple who appeared on a, a podcast with us a couple of um, episodes ago. He actually introduced us, didn't he? And he, yeah. in his um, <coughs> podcast, he talked about, I, I can't remember exactly what you called it, but it was like the, the little mischievous voice in your head. Oh, and big it's time. often that, that, you know, the tiny little, I suppose, like an id, you know, that, that sort of little character being a little demon and yeah. putting all those doubts into your mind. But, yeah, and you're, you're cracking on with your therapy. You, you're feeling... I, yeah, Good, I've still I've some way to go. A, a lot. <laughs> feeling I better. Yeah, I think there's a. Um, I wouldn't say I'm feeling better. I think there's a lot of things that I need to address. But I am um, like I don't want to sound dramatic, but I think it's good to talk about it. It's. Yeah. Um, I've got some work to do, definitely. But you know, we'll get there. Nothing. Absolutely. I've been through worse. I, you know, nothing I can't handle. So. Yeah, sure. We've got uh, this. And, uh, <laughs> and like you say, though, the the, the, <coughs> the physical act of just sharing it. I think is is the starting point. Isn't it? I also think it's it's good for um, you know in in Zim that whole kind of feeling of of boys don't cry mm. um, is it's it's a very it, that was I mean it's everywhere but it, I just felt like in in South Africa in that part of the world it was such a macho environment it was incredibly you know cis man you know I am a man and I must not cry and yeah. I must not show any form of emotion um, when I moved to this country I really liked how kind of emotional people were and I once went to America and I was like oh my god they're so emotional it's like <laughs> calm down but it's it's actually it's so important and you know I shouldn't really judge by people being so it's taught me loads about you know myself and about how to treat others and being mm. a bit more mindful yeah of uh, other people's reactions but yeah i think it's good that men do talk about these situations and talk more about what i don't think enough do no do think, at know, all <coughs> and that's the whole idea behind the podcast yeah. is to, to sort of make it happen a little bit more um and just in general not just men i think in, in general people uh, you know are often worried about how 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 their true thoughts <coughs> and their true feelings might hurt somebody else and actually it's, it's far i see it maybe i'm maybe i'm just too blase i think it's it's much better to say you know, let's say, for example, Elliot's done something that's really annoyed me. Rather than me just festering and having that annoyance there, I think it's better to say, Elliot, look, that's really bothered me because... And then that helps to repair your relationship. I know mm. that's just su such a simple way of looking at it, but, yeah, I think it's right mm. to do that. And mm. I think it's a sign of a good relationship when you can say, yeah, yeah Elliot, look, this, I'm, I'm happy about this. Yeah, and I think, interesting, you know... You Not that I am unhappy. No, I know. Chris, you mentioned a, a couple of things, obviously, when you... When you're living as a, a minority in a country where for you to speak on behalf of yourself or your minority is stifled, you mm. then once again can't express that. Mm. So I can imagine how that was kind of, you know, even in the context of um, what happened in Zimbabwe, I'm sure that must have presented some distress to you. Mm. But also there, uh, there was a, 
a quote from a psychologist who said that people present with mental illness when he, he said the, w the way to I explain it is imagine a balloon that is gradually being filled up with more and more water eventually it's going to burst at its weakest points and that might present as uh, PTSD might present as anxiety or depression um, but to, to take that mess that a lot of us uh, accumulate under our own knowledge or without our knowledge to then have to s to, to shift through that mm. through therapy is extremely challenging mm. but at the same time extremely rewarding as well yeah. to, have to, to be able to organise that chaos yeah. that we've uh, created in our own minds and to have those tools to deal with it as well mm. priceless I yeah. think same as you I spent um, a bit on therapy during the first lockdown <coughs> Best money I've spent in my life, yeah. without a doubt. I cannot think of anything I've, I've spent mm. money on better. Um, because I, th I think I have a slightly different, I suppose, relationship with that, that voice in my head. Because it was, it was big. Um, but my therapist taught me to understand that voice and realise that it was actually trying to help me in a roundabout way. Mm. And to be able to look into that voice or into that abyss of darkness and realise that, oh, okay, it's you can actually organize this. There's actually a tool mm. for all of these things. There's a tool for aggression. Mm. There's a tool for jealousy. There's a tool for <coughs> shame. All these things can help you, but you have to order them and understand them mm. first, mm. and then you can use them. It's definitely the understanding part of it. it it's uh, one of my, my lessons that, well, not li like workshop things that I've been given is um, it's called a hot thought. And um, you have these kind of hot thoughts that make your anxiety go through the roof and you feel like, oh my God, like, why is this happening? And then next to your hot thought, which you would write out and describe are two columns. And one is evidence for the hot thought, that wh what is making you have that? And then evidence against it. And when I first did it, I had this hot thought and I, the column for evidence for it was just full. But the column next to for the evidence you know, against it was minimal, which really makes you go, wow, it is just the power of the mind, which is so incredibly strong and kind of yeah. um, imaginative in a sense. And I suppose that's, you know, I've always said that my imagination's my greatest asset, is it? <laughs> because it's, you know, it can possibly... It's running wild, isn't it? Yeah, And, it, and it's, it's taming it. Yeah. Fundamentally, you've got to learn well, the tools that you've been given and I suppose the, the, the processes that... I might have gone through or that we've all gone through in different stages and different parts of helps you to sort of tame it and sort mm -hmm. of go oh well actually you're in my mind I own you you know I control you so but it's uh, that's the simple way to look at it but it's far more complex than that I think what we've seen with our clients is that um, image of that bursting water balloon when it bursts that's often a trigger for people to eat or mm. for people just to bring it back to the, the weight loss thing mm. um, but once again you know people are very individualistic some people eat um, to comfort themselves and other people might experience for example bulimia, bulimia mm. where they'll will throw up yeah. and uh, that will be their um, their way of I suppose releasing the the pressure yeah um, releasing some of the water from the balloon yeah, yeah because obviously you know, ev everyone around here um, has different experiences of that and we've got the eating side of things but then seeing your from your side of things to me should people when they reach that limit when it comes to the pressure that they're under with gymnastics, they might also have very different defense mechanisms of dealing with that pressure as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, I've seen both sides in gymnastics, like friends with eating disorders, and then other times when they're eating too much to the detriment of their sport. Obviously, you have to be in great shape to do the things we do in gymnastics. So 
yeah and then getting that control at that level of pressure as well because mm. it's not just like for an everyday person to be in shape it's to be in shape to do high level gymnastics so I think it's like even another level or another element when it comes to sports or obviously I can only talk for gymnastics but yeah how and then being in a leotard as well um, what, are there any tools that you you know any, any any sort of yeah any tools that you have at your disposal? What do you do? Because um, I feel that there's some people that can handle different elements of pressure and just uh, just don't think about it. Because with certain aspects of my life, there are certain things that I just I don't even consider. Mm. Um, and you know, like somebody comes to me and they're presenting. Let's say if they're at school, a student presents the fact that they're nervous or they're worried about performing. That that doesn't even I just don't even think about that. That's yeah. and that's not that's always been the case. I mean, I've been nervous, but I, ju- I just, yeah, uh, there are certain things that I definitely just don't even pay them attention. So, like, h- how how do you handle that pressure? What is it just that you're just not worried about it? I think it um, is second nature for me now, but when I actually think about what I do, I'm pretty much an open book. Like, if I'm nervous or worried or something's going on, I can tell the people closest to me. Um, and I went to boarding school, so I would call my mum every night. So, mm. I don't know if it's come from that, where you're on the phone with your mum, so you have to talk, whereas, mm. like, if she was just there, I might just be like, yeah, training was good, and like shut off the conversation. Yeah. So I don't know if that's got something to do with it. Um, but yeah, just talking things through is definitely a way that I've been able to cope with things. And I just remembered um, the World Championships in 2019 was the qualification for the Olympics, and I just put so much pressure on myself. Um, this is kind of going away from diet, but just in terms of handling pressure. And then Elliot came out to Germany the night before the competition, and he just said, how are you feeling? And I bottled it all up inside of me because training was going well. There was no reason for me to be so nervous or put that much pressure on myself. Um, but I just had, because obviously this was my dream to qualify the next day in the competition. And when he asked me, I just burst into tears and um, just was like, I'm so nervous. And <laughs> but then actually speaking it out, that definitely helped. So just That's one of the ways yeah, being able it, to know talking it out helps. I was just going to say, I'd also say with you, Tanisha, that you're, I think probably because you're, your esteem is so is so good is so well that you're very good at not giving up any ground um, on a matter that might cause a negative influence on on your performance just not just in in gymnastics but in general so for example if if someone even if I say if I was to speak to Jalusha in, in a tone that she's not appreciated she'd, why are you talking to me like that <laughs> or it might be or it might be a case that her I don't know other people that have some control <laughs> over environment, might do something, and you're very good at questioning it right away. I don't think that's right. But that Why goes back to that? the point I made that you've got to, you know, it, it's healthy to say to someone, "This is well, hang on, what's going on here?" Yeah, yeah. It's, it's important to do that. Yeah. It, it, sorry, it, sorry, it's uh, really interesting, and you're really lucky that you have that. But do you guys? Because fi- I really struggle with telling other people that I'm not necessarily close with that actually, you know, your comment about my weight or your comment about how I'm handling things has such a negative effect and I, I it's something I really struggle with in saying to them if I could say it as Madame Mumu I can't mm. say it as Chris I'm learning from Tanisha right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely learning to um, be more assertive and also through one, once again one of the just like you you've already said this Chris that through therapy you realize that your emotional self had actually quite a logical intent mm. and I think that a lot of people including myself have habitually thought that if I'm feeling something, that's just like an angry child in my head that I can kind of just pass to one side. There's no logic there. Mm. But if you listen to it and you question it, you realise there's logic there. Mm. So if I am if I feel that someone's spoken to me and it's riled me up to a level where I'm not consciously aware of it, but I know it's affected me, then 
I think that especially with, you know, good old traditional manners, you should be able to express yourself. Mm. So I don't quite like mm. how you just spoke to me back then. I'm not too sure why, but is there any reason why you're mm. speaking to mm. me in that way? I yeah. think that's a, and that's quite yeah, admirable, right? You pr- yeah, I, I pr- when you present that to somebody, <coughs> sometimes you might get somebody who's horrified that, they, that that's mm. the impression they might have put across to you. I mean, obviously, like Chris has said, you know, I've had people say, oh, that fat guy over there and stuff like that. And that, that impacted me for years. Mm. And my friends will, you know, attest to the fact that previously I used to get really, really super cross and super angry, but never mm. with the person that had said it. Mm. You know, I'd be riled up and I'd be across, but that person had gone, you know, and I'm not a violent person at all, but mm. I'd be like shaking. Like, how dare, how dare somebody talk to me like that? You I know, it's just, at what I wouldn't do that to somebody else. I have this weird thing that I, I do where I have almost like an argument of what I should have said. Or oh, you say, yeah. oh, you do the argument afterwards. Uh, yeah, and in you think the of mirror. an amazing comeback. And it's, it's uh, like, it's, it's. <laughs> It's a great way of being like, do you know what, you moron? This is, <laughs> you know, I had you an can, incident you can last night. Fresh with it, say what you want to say. Last night, that was, um, I, I just don't get where it comes from. I won't mention the person, but I was just like, what does my weight have to do with you? And obviously, it, you know, it's it's caused a bit of a, an argument this morning, and it's fine. But it's like, I was like, I should have said something. Mm. You know, this is the point of therapy: is to say to people, that's a trigger for me. Don't say that. Yeah. You know, don't talk about my body when I haven't bought it up. And, mm. and then you have this argument with this person in the mirror and then you get caught doing it. And it's really embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a great it's a great way of kind of, you know getting it out. Getting it out. Mm. And but it you you actually have to the way to stop it is by talking to that person. It, it, yeah. that, I, I mean the first time I did I did <coughs> that, I, I did actually challenge somebody on what they'd said to me. Um, and again I won't name names but I would. I'd walked into this room, and this person had just said, "Oh, you're looking like you've put on a load of weight." And a, I'd just walked into the room. Mm. <laughs> like it wasn't even a hello. Or <laughs> it was no greeting at all. And it really took me took me by surprise. And I sort of went off into a different part of. The, there was an office off, you know, and I went and worked there. And I sat in there, sort of trying to work, and I just couldn't focus on what I was doing because that bothered me so much. And I think had it been maybe a passing comment where that person had left, it might have been different. But it was a real moment where I actually, f- I just stood up and said, "No, hang on." I, I, this person's all right. I've got a relationship in a professional sense, so I should be able to turn and say, hang on. And I actually stepped up and I went and said, look, I just want to say I don't appreciate how you've spoken to me there. Whether you meant to offend me or not, it has. And actually, I'm trying to do something about it. Mm. So I appreciate your concern to an element there. Mm. But I, what I don't appreciate is the way you've said it. So, yeah. you know, listen, support me 100%. I would love that. But just think about it. Um, so, so but I often think it's people's blindness to what that, not put myself into a minority category, but they, he is completely cool with his weight. He's completely happy with it yeah. all. And so therefore to him, it's an ordinary comment to make. You know, he doesn't understand that perhaps prior to that, the weeks leading up to that point, I've had a really tough time, but I've done really well. Mm-hmm. You know, and actually at that point, I was just on the cusp of starting my boxing with you and starting to do stuff with Elliot for the first time and really sort of getting on that, that ride. And it could have, and in the past, a comment like that would have made me go, well, what's the point? Mm. Yeah. You know, let's go and get a Big Mac, you know, or whatever other Macs are available. But, you know, I, I, I would have... Small Macs. Small Macs. <laughs> Pointless, though. Um, but, you know, it would have it would have completely just shattered everything I'd worked towards at that point. So mm. that's that was one of the big reasons why. One helpful quote that I came across the other day was from a, uh, a psychologist, Nathaniel Brandon. 
and he's written a book called the I think it's called the six pillars of self-esteem and he says you always have to remember that assertiveness is not a gift it's something that has to be practiced mm. and if you do not practice being assertive you yeah. will not be an assertive oh, don't person. Me, I was yeah. shitting myself 100%. like walking out that room to go and not challenge but to go and say something I was like oh <coughs> I don't know how this is going to go they might be really cross with me because I've said that but I thought you know what so what they've made me feel cross so yeah. you know at the very least I'll feel better and I might have just shared some of the you know frustration and that feeling that I'm feeling with the person that you know generated it for me but one of my um coaches at university she um always said you can say anything you want as long as you say it with respect yeah. so had he come to you and yeah. said look I'm a bit concerned yeah. and said it, it in a nice way genuine way absolutely um then obviously you wouldn't have taken it in the way you did and yeah that's something that I tend to live by as Elliot knows, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a really it's um uh, for example, <coughs> my mother-in-law. She we're not she's not my mother-in-law. We're not married, but she has this uh, fixation on my weight, and it's um I I do I have this app called Freeletics. I don't know if you guys ever heard it, but it's yeah it's like 121 pounds, or I think it was on a deal. But basically, at home workout, I'm a bit nervous about going to the gym at the moment. Um, so it's all about home workouts. With it comes this like diet plan that is really amazing because you click on what recipes you want it adds it to a shopping list and it means that I go into the shop that's what I buy and that's it and I, I just like sometimes she will be like why have you spent money on that and I'm like what's what's it got to do with you it's none of your business none of your yeah. business and then it will be a comment of how's the weight going again none of your business and it's people just are not mindful mm. of Actually, you might be saying that from an element of concern, but yeah. it's actually coming across as you're an absolute. <laughs> yeah, be careful. Yeah, be yeah. Careful. <laughs> and it, it's it's really frustrating that that people can't kind of come at it with a really positive angle, like you know, wow, you're looking really good. Like, mm. have you been working out? Yeah. Oh yes, I have. Thank you so much. Yeah. Done. It's education, isn't it? I think yeah. because like. <coughs> As you say, people might come at it thinking, oh, I'm, I'm saying it from, from my heart. It's a concern of mine that I'm saying, oh, how's your weight loss going? Um, but really, they need to know that it's not a subject that should necessarily be spoken about unless the person that you're speaking about brings it up themselves. Mm. Um, I had a really, really weird um, a relationship with my weight for years back before, uh, just before I met my wife. Um, m my granddad passed away and I developed OCD which I still have now which is a bugger to deal with but um, instead of like we were talking about how some people's coping mechanisms are to eat my coping mechanism became not to eat and I lost so much weight and I know it's very strange this is a podcast no one can see what I look like <laughs> but to see me now you'd never think that back in 2012 2013 you could see my collarbones you could see my ribs through my t-shirt um, because I was only eating like three to four hundred calories a day, wow. um, wow. and people used to say, once again, kind of off the back of what you say, where people say, "How's the, how's the weight loss going?" People would say, "Oh, Charlie, you look really good," mm. because before I was quite, I've I've always been a heavy set man, really. Um, oh, Charlie, you look really good. The, your weight loss it looks brilliant, and I'm like. Uh, and they're really celebrating the difficulties that you're yeah, having. Yeah, don't actually. say that because yeah. mm. I haven't eaten anything today, and uh, and mm. I'm uh, and you're gonna get, make me twitch, and uh, I'm gonna have to go and wash. It's my almost hands. like you've been rewarded, yeah. Yeah, and then you exactly. think, oh, I've done good, so I'm going to continue. Exactly. So how did you come out of that? <coughs> well, I started to find so my 
there was it was twofold the food thing was one i lost my appetite completely and didn't want to eat uh and two i was one of my main ocd issues is food in general i'm scared about how things are prepared i'm scared about um whether something has been contaminated somehow whether it's old food or if someone hasn't washed their hands properly or the plate or the cutlery that i'm using hasn't been cleaned properly um so just um gradually things get better uh, obviously or usually i should say obviously um usually things get better with time to some extent uh, i started getting over the death of my granddad which was the main trigger i yeah. think um and i started being able to eat more foods i'm still very there's foods that i can't touch i've become a vegetarian now since um the beginning of 2020 i, I became a vegetarian anyway um but meat products were the main thing poultry uh, which obviously is not a good thing not to eat when you are a meat eater because it's lean protein mm. so instead i would be more okay with red meats like steak or mince or burgers which are full of fat um and so my weight then as i found the food that i was comfortable with red meats starchy things uh pizza which i absolutely adore um <laughs> my weight went up um and at first i was like oh i'm, I'm getting better feel like I, I look a normal size again I, I, you can't see my ribs um my legs look better um and i was like i'm doing something good but then it went the other way because i was like i'm doing something good so i must keep on doing mm -hmm. it and i just went up, up 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 i'm currently at the heaviest i've ever been i believe i haven't stepped on the scales in over a year because i'm too scared to um but yeah i just before me and me and my wife got married um i was like right i've got to do something start to lose weight before the wedding and it worked but once again i didn't do it in a healthy way i just stopped eating certain foods stopped eating so much i was having about 800 calories a day and i would make sure that i did not go over that um and then once the wedding was over that was it i can eat again game on yeah and i've only just got to a place now in my life probably due to lockdown and spending a lot of time sitting around because obviously we all or some of us might have done this but we all were like yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna be a lot more healthy i'm gonna go out for a walk every day or i'm gonna go for a cycle or something like this uh and two or three days and that was done i mm. didn't do it anymore mm. uh sat on the sofa watching spider-man cartoons um <laughs> and yeah i've only just started to look in the mirror and go i'm not i'm not upset which i think is good yeah i'm not looking at myself going oh you ugly mess i'm looking at myself going okay there's obviously an issue I need to do something about it's it. It's work in progress, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And and I haven't <coughs> started yet. I haven't started doing something about it. Uh, but I know that the intent is there, which mm. I think is probably a good starting point. Elliot, uh, would you agree? You're probably yeah. the man to speak to about this. 100%. And I think that one dangerous thing that a lot of people do with falling into the trap of is asking or placing sole focus on an outcome that they have um, secondary control over or not instant control over. So as soon as you're looking at weight, you're not actually in control of your weight. Your weight comes from secondary control to your behavior. So it becomes quite a uh, difficulty for people when they try to weigh themselves every day or every other day. And the outcome of that weight is so emotionally loaded that they can ricochet either way. Yeah. So if the weight goes down, then they could carry on doing things which might be quite harm harmful, which is not eating at all. Yeah. And if the weight goes up or it doesn't go down too much, then they could ricochet back into that bad behavior right which was leading to that in the first place 
Which is why I think, and this is something that we advise all our clients, is, is to focus on the behaviour as much as possible. And asking questions about the behaviour can provide much more fruitful, interesting conversation. So, for example, if your mother-in-law didn't ask, how's the weight going? She might um, say something like, oh, I saw that you cooked something the other day. How did you make that? That, that looks mm. quite healthy. Or it might be, oh, what kind of exercise are you, are you doing? Because I'm kind of trying to get fit as well. Mm. Focusing on the behaviour <coughs> that you can actually control can produce far more stable, um, sta- stable, stable effects. But in terms of the intent, the intent has to be there without a doubt. But I think the intent should be placed on the behaviour rather than the outcome. 100%. And I, I've had a real argument with my scales over the last few weeks because my... They're not going to argue back, so it's good. It's <laughs> they good do. They, they put the wrong number on there, basically. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's the argument I'm having. Um, I had a real argument with my scales in the sense of that uh, I, I stepped on it. I'd had a, a poor choice of eating week, let's say, and had been quite frivolous and enjoyed many, many sandwiches from shops mm. um, and extras. And <coughs> I thought, well... To preemptively make myself feel okay about the fact there's going to be a game, I'll step on the scales the night before I normally do. Stepped on, loss. Oh, no, sorry, maintain. Happy with that. Okay, cool, all right. So in the morning, I'll be all right. Bed, slept, weighed, same clothes, same place, five pounds on. And so what, and I know this is a conversation that I've had with Elliot so many times. I've complained at Elliot, oh, the bloody scales. And he's always turned around and said exactly what he's just said in response to your question and finally now however many years we've been working together an eternity three three, three, maybe yeah an eternity probably feels like for you so no it's been fun Um, (laughs) (laughs) but it's finally i'm i think i'm finally at a point where i'm starting to accept the fact that it's not that the scales are lying is that that, like you've just said you know your body might be might be catching up or it might be slightly ahead of you it's not a true reflection of where you are and so now I'm way more um, focused on my clothes and how they fit, uh, the fact and images. I, I actually looked at a photo that you took um, and we put in that app that we use, Elliot. Um, I looked at that in comparison to a photo of me now, and the difference is unbelievable. And again, maybe because I didn't really want to look at myself, I've never done that before. That was the first time I've done that since you took that photo. Like they've just been there, you know, in in the app, not making. And that's the purpose of it, isn't it? So you can track it. So exactly to visually right. see the difference, hearing from people, wow, you're looking different. That's amazing. Um, but it's frustrating. It's, it's, lo- it's very expensive with clothes. So, uh, you know, these jeans are these jeans are like three weeks old, and they're too big, and they look like clown trousers at the top. And you know, I may look silly. <laughs> I probably don't. But get yourself a pair of dungarees. Dungarees, mate. mate yes. <laughs> It doesn't matter. And it doesn't matter Andy how big or small pocket. you are. Yeah. You could put your iPad in there and anything. Oh, I like that. <laughs> chuck, the, chuck the shoulders on, they fit anyone. They do. <laughs> nice. I might have to, yeah, dungaree it up. Yes. Can you go dungaree shopping with me when we're allowed out of tier three? I'll take you, man. I'll take you. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think now I'm, I'm far more accepting of, not entirely convinced. Still, I know that there's a little voice at the back of my head that will go, that, that weight's gone up. That means you put weight on. You failed. That will still happen. Um, but I hope that the voice is louder saying, yeah, but your jeans are way too big for you. You, you know, you like you're wearing clown trousers, son. So, you know, crack on. Um, but it's just such a mental argument in your head, isn't it? Mm. Constant argument. It's, I mean, half the time when, you know, we're out there and we're thinking, oh, my God, that's what people are thinking. They're actually not. They're mm. worried about their own insecurities. Yeah. Mm. And it's, um, it's really kind of uh, frustrating to... And it, it's not, it, f- for me, it's not a sense of, oh, my God, people must be thinking what I'm doing. I'm not thinking like that. I'm, 
just comments make me think what is your what are you seeing that I can't see because when I'm naked in the shower and I'm looking in the mirror I'm like I can see some improvement mm. you know I look down and I can see my toes and you know when I go for a run I'm improving my times but that comment just makes you go oh, hold up what is it that you're seeing and it's it's mm. uh, kind of it's frustrating and then that makes you think oh What's what are point? other people thinking? Yeah. And yeah, what, and you what? do start to question whether there's any point in doing anything with it at all. Yeah. That's how <laughs> certainly I, I did. I don't so much anymore. Twenty twenty. It's, it's strange, <laughs> isn't it? Because <laughs> I can't. After that. I can't remember what it was. I was watching or listening to. I hope to God it wasn't this podcast. Um, well, I hope to God it was. Oh, maybe it was. I, I mean, don't know. But I might be requoting something that someone said. I just didn't want to say it. And let's pretend that I know. I'll, I'll tell you if it was a quote. Okay. Because cool. I can remember everything. Okay. <laughs> someone was saying about how. We we are all the center of our own universe. Yeah, that was definitely on here. Was it on here? I have no <laughs> idea. <laughs> I, I think it was. I do think it was the center the center of our own universe. And when we go out into the streets or, or wherever we go to our place of work or to the shops, we all think that people are looking at us. Yeah, I think that was Toby that said that. Maybe, mm. yeah. We all think that yeah that so, someone's looking at us and they're judging us. They're thinking about, oh look, that person's fat or that person's ugly or this that, and the other. And the fact of the matter is, no one's looking at you no. because you're. An, you're insignificant in the world. I mean, that does, that sounds a horrible way of putting it. Well, to but them no, you are. Yeah, yeah. Th no one's even noticed that you're walking down the street. So you need to kind of not put that much weight on your shoulders about that. Mm. Like people aren't looking at you. People aren't judging you. People aren't thinking that fat ugliness. <laughs> you know, if anything, they might look at you and go, "Oh, that's a nice top that person's wearing." I'm gonna I'm gonna go and find that online, or yeah. or that person is wearing. Where do you get those dungarees from? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. boohoo men. <coughs> um, is yeah. there such a place? Boohoo men. Is it? Of course there oh. is. Yeah. Product placement. Tell well you done. What, <laughs> they're plus size. They're big, big and large boy clothes. Spot, spot on. on. Ah, well. This, it, this, perfect. It's really interesting you say about like <laughs> what other people, you know, people aren't. I was tagged in an Instagram post. Um, got back from lockdown 1.0. Had made this new dress, <laughs> which was um, a baby doll silhouette. So a baby doll silhouette is kind of it sits right under your armpits, <laughs> and it just bellows out. Yes, okay, I'm a you know, six foot four man in heels. Obviously, I'm going to look a lot larger. Um, but this woman tagged me in a post and there I was singing and one of her guests from Rafati went, looks like someone's put a lot of weight on during lockdown 1.0. And I was like, why have you tagged me in this post? Because, you know, are you really not that aware yeah and it, it, it That's kind of disgusting it, yeah it does make you and then luckily she went i don't think it's the weight i think it's the dress yeah and it was just like doesn't uh, matter really. exactly yeah. exactly and then it, it feeds into that when you go in somewhere you're like people must be because if that's what they but say that's where you where where the you are pre as a performer you are putting yourself on a stage big time you know and they are going to comment on you and they are looking at us on stage and they are looking at what we're doing and how we look and how we sound mm -hmm. so that's where that fragility may come from you mm -hmm. know you are exposing yourself to people well not uh, you know what i mean like you're exposing yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe <Sometimes>. you do <laughs> i don't uh, but <laughs> not anymore uh, but you are you know you're you're leaving yourself open to that sort of criticism or those sorts of comments and mm. you know that lady might have said that and it might have she might have said that as a joke to her friend you know mm. and but to her that's funny but to, to you and to anybody mm. else that might hear that that's 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 not on mm. you know that's really not on one one thing that kind of struck me when you said that or one question that you struck me that struck me when you said that and it's similar to to what i've known you to experience as well so do you think 
that people are for some reason more overtly offensive or controversial towards your alter ego i.e. towards madam is it madam moon mm. than, uh, than they are to chris i i think like I, i'm sure you're the same and you would be the same and everyone would be the same you just feel like people are always saying things to i i, I see it from both angles mm. like it's um and i know it's my issue i know it's me going hold up maybe i'm misunderstanding hence why i'm going to therapy maybe i'm i'm misunderstanding the there world is, there <coughs> may be an element of misunderstanding but i do think it goes <coughs> back to what charlie said about the educational aspect of it as well yeah. and actually yeah. there isn't one Am I just hanging out with uneducated people? <laughs> <laughs> We're all hanging out with uneducated people. <laughs> We're all uneducated ourselves. <laughs> one of the things I try and teach my students, in, in addition to the music stuff I'm trying to teach them, is that you've got to, that whole idea, your, your university teacher said, say whatever you want, but say it with, respe with mm. respect. You know, think about the words that are coming out of your mouth, you know, before, and think about the impact of what, what your words will have on that person. Mm. And that's, that's a society thing. I really feel strongly about that. It's a society mm. thing. Some families, they say whatever they want to each other, and in part, maybe that's healthy. Some families, they won't talk to each other about the tough stuff, and maybe that's healthy for them, but actually there needs to be some real mm. middle ground, doesn't there? There really does. And you'll know working with kids, kids can be really nasty sometimes, but and that's they the don't even mean it either. <laughs> exactly, and that, that's just down to the fact that they haven't learnt yet the yep. social cues or the etiquette that may be required in that environment, and I think it's really important that we teach our young people Definitely. to do that properly. You know, I think young people get a really bad rep and often when I say I'm a teacher they go oh it must be so tough kids are awful well <laughs> some kids are of course but the majority I would say a, a huge majority of the students I teach are amazing and they all have personal lives they all have things going on in their lives that we often forget as adults because we're so wrapped up in our own and actually what we should be doing in, in addition to teaching them our subjects is helping them to to develop the skills through the lives that they're leading right there and then. You know, I don't know the ins and outs of every <coughs> one of my students. So I always try and approach you with I, what's going on at home, what might be happening for them right now. Because you're battling whatever they're learning at yeah. home as well. Well, you know. but not only from, from their personality and their behaviour, but there could be loads of things happening. Yeah. So that's just, you know, that's often forgotten. I'm so appreciative of the fact that in my school that's not the case, but in a great deal of educational settings it is because it's, well, sit down, here's your book, learn this, do exam, yeah. pass, yeah. grades, done, go live your life. Well, it's not that, is it, really? So you haven't taught me how to live my life. <laughs> just taught me how to do maths. Pass the test. Yeah. Um, <laughs> with maths in mind, um, and we're going to have a piece of music, uh, yeah, maths sure. and music uh, do link very nicely. Music um, is math in a strange way. In a strange sort of way. Um, uh, Music-related maths jokes, please send in uh, on, on our social media. We'll on listen to them. Yeah, um, Chris, um, sorry, Charlie. No, not Chris. There's Chris. There's Charlie. Uh, you're going to do a, a piece of music for us. What are you going to perform for us? I think I'm going to do. I'm going to do a follow hawk song. Yeah. I'm going to do um, one of the songs that's on the new EP. Yeah. Uh, What's the new EP called? Uh, it's called. I think it's called Take Two. Take Two. I think. Maybe I might uh, be you're wrong. You're looking at me as if I know. I, I know, haven't got a clue. I, I really don't know <laughs> myself. Um, and we've we've actually decided not to name these songs because they, they were originally. They were our first songs that we ever wrote. Okay. That kind of fell to the fell to the wayside. We went on and wrote more songs and recorded them, and then we came back to these ones and thought, actually, these are really good songs. Let's record them. And we decided we're not going to give them names. We're just going to call them one, two, and three. Okay. Because there's three tracks. Uh, and this is going to be song two, not to be confused with, with the Blur, the blur song two. No wahooing. No, no <coughs> wahooing. Unless you request really nice. No, no, no wahooing. All right. So uh, you're going to perform. It's a follow the hawk song. Yes. Two. Two, yeah, two. I'm just going to call it two. Track two, whatever you Follow want. the hawk. 
two. Thank you. started this well the answer's me satisfied with the remaining three now and again i start to think what is the point of searching for the missing link said i sail that's when we start to sink secret it's kept behind doors I think I found it and then it all disappears Very, very good. And um, when can we expect that EP to be out? Well, come on. Now you're asking the hard questions. Um, <laughs> it's sometime before the mid mid 2021, we should hope. It was planned for January time. Yeah. But we've had a few hiccups recording wise or pr production wise. 
So hopefully mid twenty twenty one. Okay, great. All right, well, it sounds great. And um, you're you're okay to do another track for us a little bit later as well. Yeah, yeah, sure. We'll finish off with your with your track at the end. If that's all right, mate, cool, it'll be yeah. wonderful. Um, okay, so Chris, I just want to come to you with regards to your mil- milliner. Yeah. So you are so you are the creator of hats. Correct. Quick question: Am I a hat? Do I have a hat face? Because I've often been told <coughs> I look like a twat in a hat. Everyone <laughs> has a hat face. <laughs> do you, they? Yeah, it it comes from um, again. It's uh, you, you know you've just got to find the right hat. And then once you've found that right hat, you've just got to wear it with confidence. I think in the first email I sent to you rather tentatively, I, was, I think at the end I said, and hopefully when we meet, you can finally answer the question of what hat should I be wearing? That, you know, there, there's some people <laughs> that have a face shape, um, usually if it's like a, you know, if they've got very angular features or a sweetheart kind of face shape, they can... Please tell me I have a sweetheart face. <laughs> You've got a very square jaw, uh. which is an angular feature. So <laughs> you, they, they can kind of wear absolutely any hat they want to. Oh. Um, but then if you get people who, you know, have a bit more of a round face or, you know, a different shape face, they've got a, you know, their choices aren't as varied. They're, li- they're limited. They're limited. I've definitely but got a square head. I think um, you and I, are th- yeah, definitely. Are we are the same? Aren't we, we are the same. That's y- yeah, yeah. But that's not a bad thing because there are hats out there that that means we've got hat versatility. Like Which hat? So, for example, like um, I mean, Elliot's getting married soon. Do you need a hat for your, mar- for your, <laughs> no, for your marriage? I'm imagining it now. Yeah. Like it's filling that space. Nice. In my head, yeah. It's whether Danusha's <laughs> going to allow it. I think I just saw a look of yeah. So, <laughs> not. Uh, I mean, it doesn't just come down to your face shape. It also comes down to your height. So, if you are a really tall person, don't wear tall hats because you'll forever be walking into doorways <laughs> low f- light fittings um and what it also does is generally tall people have long features so it also like will extend your face making it look longer so if you're a short person avoid wide brims so it, you don't want to go around looking like a mushroom <laughs> and also <laughs> you'll spend the rest of your day with your head tilted backwards trying to look at people through your brim can i call you every time i think about buying a hat in Absolutely. a shop just be like chris is this the one for so me well <laughs> yeah I, I think it's i think it's really it's a good thing to go to any hat shop and try on as many hats as you can it's you you do the same with clothes and you do the same with sunglasses or you know particular brands of underwear for example until you find the right fit that's really comfortable mm. so do the same with a hat and you know, don't let the hat wear you, wear the hat. Oh, I reckon, I, do you reckon I'm a bowler man? <coughs> I reckon I could rock a bowler hat. But a bowler hat would look good. Yeah. A bowler hat would look with good. A, with an umbrella. a trilby or fedora would also look really oh, nice. Fedora, you fedora. Look fedora. What's that? Fedora. That's uh, the old uh, Frank Sinatra used to wear. Yeah. Fedora. Sort yeah. Of, I think mafia. Sort of, yeah. They've kind Wicked of got a, d- a dimple <laughs> in, in, in the middle with yeah, two yeah. dimples. I'm on, on that, 100%. Like a, like a noir <coughs> detective. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Elliot Reed. Fedora. Detective. That's my dad. DC Reed, yeah. didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, done. We'll, we'll get you a fedora for your yeah. for your wedding gift. <laughs> There's loads of hats out there. You've just got to, you know, put it on. And it's interesting when you go to like events like Royal Ascot, and you can see people who have come for the first time, and they they kind of walk around a bit subconscious, and they're constantly touching their mm. their hat, and that's just a sign of one, it's either not comfortable, two, it's the first time you've worn a hat. You know, put it on your head. Don't touch it and own it. You've done some, from what <coughs> I understand anyway, you've done some pretty cool, well, you've made some hats for some pretty cool people. Uh, could, yeah. Is there anything you can tell us about any of that or is it all hush-hush to secret secret? Um, I've, I've been very, uh, I suppose, honoured to um, make a hat for Princess Beatrice and also Autumn Phillips. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, and yeah, I mean, I've, I've, my label's small, but I've done some, some nice things with it. I got my first cover 
a couple of weeks ago for uh, India Cosmopolitan. That's wow. great. Well, my hat was on the cover on an amazing actress who I never knew existed until then uh, called Sanum Kapoor, and she is um, huge in, 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 in the Bollywood scene. Um, she's got like 30.4 million followers on Instagram. She's wow. absolutely massive. Yeah. And but then they credited the wrong designer, which oh, was oh. a bit of a kick in the teeth. Oh. But, you know, it's fine. It's fine. Still, that must it's make it's you good. feel incredibly <coughs> proud. And, yeah, uh, proud, obviously. And, and mm. I hope you feel proud about that because that sounds yeah. incredible. Yeah. What an amazing achievement as well. It's kind of like your first uh, hit and then yeah. you want the next hit. And then, um, yeah, it can be dangerous. <laughs> but no, Something it is that good. will keep you aspiring towards it, though. And I think especially when you're, it sounds like in your, um, in your context, you're working a job in order to support that. Yes, fundamentally, and so that you know to have those moments of success really, you know, it justifies the mm. blood, sweat, and tears that you have going through everything else just to make that work. Well, so it's like an Olympian. I mean, you're mm. you know, I I didn't realize that Olympians it obviously get sponsorship, but a lot of it comes from you actually funding it, and I think that's you know, it's it's incredible to do that for your craft. I I think it's dedication. So well done. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> I'm feeling a lot of love in the room. The other thing that stood out when you were introducing yourself um, that I felt like I could relate to was how you had this dream from, was it 11 years yeah. old? And you had the label name and everything. It's like you manifested it from such a young age. Yeah. It's fun. You've got to think it to, to, to <coughs> achieve it. Is that you what you're were, were you six? You were six or seven when you first saw the Olympics? Yeah, wow. I was six. So was yeah, I was kind of like... That was a case of you saw that and like, that's me. That's yeah. what I want. Literally, there was a gymnast, um, a Russian gymnast, and it was her, that particular performance. She was just so charismatic and confident in how she finished her floor routine. She had like a gunshot and then she like blew it and I was just like, <laughs> yes, yeah. I need to be like that, that so at the good. Olympics. Have yeah. you met her or have you I actually haven't met her specifically, but I've met a lot of my idols along oh the way. Um, and then Usain Bolt is obviously, a, everyone's a fan of him. I've been a massive fan of him and then joining his team with um, joining Jamaica was just amazing. And then finally like meeting him um, yeah, he's yeah. incredible and just his charisma and everything. I'm astounded that that's so a true jealous. story. No, it yeah. is a true no, story. No, no, I don't <laughs> just believe it. What I'm saying is I can't believe that Usain Bolt's name is being used by someone who's met the guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's amazing. Is he cool? He seems super cool. Literally the coolest person right. ever. Because you know they say don't meet your idols because they disappoint mm, you, yeah. but he didn't. Nice. He's amazing. Does he? So will he be going to Tokyo? I don't quite know. Is, is he retired? Is he? Can, he's going to go to Tokyo. He is retired, but I would assume he might be there in some capacity. Okay, but he's not running. He's not. Um, yeah, he's performing. not running. Like an ambassador. Nice. Yeah, you'd, you'd hope. <laughs> well, I mean, feel <laughs> well, free. Feel free to share. You know, the wedding thinners with Usain. See, you know, you might want to get involved. You know, have him on the podcast. Could you imagine? <laughs> I, I can, and I'm manifesting it in my yeah. mind right now. <laughs> we, um, Rich, uh, Adam, and I, we when we sat back a few months, oh, about a couple of months ago, we were like, so who, who's our ultimate goal? Um, who do we want on? Uh, like who would be like? You're all wonderful to be here, by the way. Thanks. I don't mean that. You know, <laughs> you're all second <laughs> rate. But we were like, well, we will want Dave Grohl. <laughs> so if if you are putting me on that podcast, if you have Dave Grohl, yeah, on this I podcast. don't think for a moment just yet we're going to get him. We're not quite there, but you never know. Never know. I'm gonna I'm gonna start with Tom Watson first. I keep saying his name. I met Dave Grohl once. I have a really good story, actually. If Just I'm going to it. tell it. Yeah. So I was working at. Do you still have his mobile number? I don't. No. I wish. <laughs> um, I never got it. I was working at um, Download Festival uh, one year, and they in the catering tent. Really weird place to put it. They had a tattoo parlor, so you could get your lunch. And have a tattoo right yeah. next to it. Of course. Uh, perfect for hygiene. Or maybe you had to um, tattoo the menu, what you yeah. wanted, and yeah. just show them. Exactly. 
Um, and I was, I went in and, and I got booked in and I was going to go and sit down and have this tattoo and he'd drawn it on my back. I said, I'm just going to nip to the loo. So I, I ran to the toilet and as I was coming back, I heard, now I'm a massive Foo Fighters fan and I heard him laugh and I was like, I know that laugh. <laughs> I turned around and it was Dave Grohl and Josh Homme from Queens of the Stone Age because nice. uh, them Crooked Vultures were playing. And I thought, oh, I can't, I can't even go up to him. That's ridiculous. And then I thought to myself, when am I ever going to get this opportunity again? <laughs> so I just walked up to him and said, oh, Mr. Grohl, like my <laughs> bottom lip, going like this. <laughs> um, would I be able to have the picture, please? So yeah, sure. And he threw his bag down and put his arm around me. And it's really weird when you look at the photograph, it looks like he's trying to have a picture taken <laughs> with me. It's really strange. But I, w I walked back, like legs like jelly, sat down to get this tattoo. I was like, I can't believe it. I just, I just met Dave Grohl. Then he walks into the catering tent with Taylor Hawkins, the drummer from Foo Fighters, because he was playing there with his other band. They sit down and have their lunch. And they get up and they come over and they stand and watch me get my tattoo done. And I was just sat there like, don't cry. <laughs> don't look like a wuss. And that's, uh, that's my Dave Cross wow. story. Wow. That's great. I have nothing interesting like that. Adam, do you have any stories? No, no nothing? Wow, that's a... He, I would love to meet him. Stevie Wonder would like to meet as well. Oh, oh wow. Yeah, good, old, good old Stevie. I love That'd Stevie. Be one, wouldn't it? One I, day. I once really insulted Morrissey. Um, and I, good. I, yeah, I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know who he was. And it was, I was working in, um, when I started at Harris, I was working as a Dolce & Gabbana brand specialist. And I came back from my break and I walked in and immediately I saw this customer stood by the till with no one there. And I was like, oh, you know, do you need any help? as I'm putting my bag away in my drawer and he kind of says oh no don't worry I've been seen to and does this hand motion and I was like oh you need to simmer down <laughs> like yeah. you know a bit rude <laughs> but I noticed this ring on his finger and I was like wow that ring's cool so I went to the till to log on and do what I needed to do so I thought I'm not just going to have this customer stand here and you know not talk to them so I was like you know where did you get your ring from it's really nice and I was like oh this old thing it's a tiger's eye and I was like, oh, it's amazing. So what do you do? And it's like, I'm an artist. So <laughs> I was like, so like, do you finger paint or <laughs> like, what do you do? And he went, tell you what. And he, he <laughs> pulled up this Harrods bag. And inside we, we used to have HMV at Harrods and had all these CDs. Um, and on the front of the CD was his face. Oh. And he was like, here's my music. Listen to it. You'll never go back and you'll never go forward. <laughs> And I was like, wow, you are so arrogant. <laughs> I can't believe obviously he had his own CD in the bag. I, I, didn't, I didn't say that. So obviously he gave it to me. And I, by this time, <clears throat> my colleague who was serving him was back. And he was like, oh, my God. I was like, why is Tim looking so weird? So I said to him, I'm really sorry. I, I can't accept this because obviously of security questions. But I do have a question for you. Do you, do you buy your own music to, like, up your record sales? <laughs> So by this time, Tim was like, jaw down to the ground. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I gave him back a CD. And then I was like, listen, it's really lovely to meet you, but good luck in your career. <laughs> and I trotted off. And then Wicked. I came back oh, I and I went, I'm so sorry, I've forgotten your name. I need to look you up on iTunes. Can you spell it out for me? And got him to spell out his whole name. <laughs> Yeah, it was. Um, that is hilarious. It was really bad, and That's then everyone was like, "I can't like believe you've done that." Sounds like the medicine he needed, though. That yeah, just what he needed. I don't. Th that's not the first story I've heard he of him being a little bit arrogant and arsy. Do you think he buys his own CDs to give them to people? Maybe like the bag he was full. What of his own CDs? Of his own CDs? No. Yeah, seriously. Why would you do that? And Why? I was like, 
And there was this one designer called Neil Farad, and he used a picture of Morrissey on the front of his T-shirt for one of his collections. And I noticed one day he was in to look at said T-shirt. And I I walked past him and we kind of clocked eyes. And he was like, you now know who I am. And I was like, I'm the person that once asked you if you buy your (laughs) CDs. And it was this moment of kind of like feeling a bit cheeky. Um, But yeah, it was was funny. Uh, He's human at the end of the day, isn't he? Is he? Well, (laughs) it doesn't act it sometimes, perhaps, but that's fascinating. I still don't have anything interesting to say about any stories that I can recall, but I like the fact you, you, yeah, you served (laughs) him a little bit there. Good. Such a good story. Yeah, good. So we've had Usain Bolt, Dave Grohl, Morrissey. Morrissey. I've got a few reality TV stars that come into the clinic. They've been a mixed bunch, for sure. You guys always go a bit deeper than that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you want to leave it there, you can leave it there. That's fine. <laughs> it wasn't intending to be a podcast on Who Have You Met? That's a whole new podcast. <laughs> Name drop it? FM. Yeah. There was this one reality TV star who was trying to become quite popular on TV. And she had this MTV oh, I remember this. film set come in and record an edition. <laughs> and um, it was just bad. Like, it was real bad. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't like her <laughs> at all. She said to me, I think this was at the end of recording, she went, and I'm sorry, Mish, but she said, you really you really want me, don't you? I said, what? <laughs> she said, you find me really attractive. I said, no, nah, I don't. She said, you do. I said, I can tell. I said, I'm being serious. You're fully not my type at all. And she was so insistent, and she actually like, texted me a few times after. I was like, sorry, I'm not interested. And uh, actually, when it aired, I think we'd been together for like, what, two, three months, I think? Yeah. Something like that? Yeah, she I just f- I found I, f- I found to be fair when she came to the clinic, the way that the producers treated her, I could see how they could manifest that type of personality because mm. it's really quite. It's just not real, is it? I don't Despite like it, it being dude. called like, reality TV. Yeah, and I, I, I know that news knows that I just hate that whole reality TV style. Obviously, you, you dabble in, you like watching it. I hate it so much. I think it's such a just a narcissistic. Well, my wife has got me. Uh, well. I'm not hooked anymore. I'm off. Oh, I'm off of it. But the uh, I think it's called the Billy Fair's Mummy Diaries. That's oh it. yeah. Yeah, you watch that? I don't watch it, but I've watched it. Yeah. What's <laughs> that about? Well, who's sorry? What that Billy Fair's. Sam, is it Sam and Billy Fair? Yeah, Fairs? Sam and yeah. Billy. So I don't know well, if you don't know, it, mate, I you're just not in my league. I, <laughs> <know>. <laughs> I just don't. I think the, the t- for me to summarise um, <laughs> my opinion, I don't understand how people can they can be famous or valued just for their personalities. I don't get it. I thought, like at least like produce something that's yeah. like entertaining. Well, in fairness to those two, like they, well, uh, I, don't, I get them confused. Is Sam the? Oh, I don't know. Anyway, one of them has a clothing line now, and you know that's that's interesting seeing that side of it. And actually, mm. I think them doing this has probably made them a bit more personable, mm. a bit yeah. more normal. Uh, but I do sit like like you, Charlie. I'm like, well, that's not real. You know, their chil- those children are growing up in that house like this. They're going to be complete asses by the end of it. But they won't be, I'm sure. We watch <laughs> a shouldn't, lot shouldn't of... Shouldn't slate um, them. I shouldn't, uh, at this point, I should say, I'm sure they're absolutely lovely. Hannah um, watches a lot of uh, YouTube stuff with... Um, the Wedding Thinners YouTube, do you mean? Uh, yeah, obviously, oh, okay, that's course, the only yeah, thing yeah, she yeah, watches. Yeah, yeah. Um, Thanks. And loads of like families and, and celebrities, air quotation marks, um, who are just yeah famous for being famous, so to speak, who might now have clothing lines and this, that and the other. And some I do find very funny. Some I enjoy watching because it's like car crash TV. You can't yeah. look away. But yeah, you're, you, some of these people have got this sense of grandiose that just makes absolutely no sense. Where did you get that? What is your purpose? That, that reality <laughs> TV star who came in, I started to talk to her. And the producer said, no, don't talk to her. 
That's so we want to keep disgusting. it organic. Yeah, so we want to keep it organic for for TV. We want it to to be real. Yeah, it's <coughs> mad. I've got one thing I did come across on YouTube the other day though was a reality uh, was a, a highlight reel of Gemma Collins. <laughs> She's so funny. She is that that yeah. kills me. No, you don't find her funny. Where she's, where she's saying. I just find her go, really. I, no, maybe I shouldn't, because you don't know where this is going to go, do you? It, I think she wants to go out of the jungle. And she's, like, she's like, let me go. She went, I don't need the money. I've got money. That was kind of <laughs> hilarious, man. I'm claustrophobic, Darren. She's having a break. Yeah, she's like, I don't want to play anymore. I've been gay. I do respect the fact that she completely says as she feels. Yeah. Like, that's pretty cool. And frightening as well. I think there's a good thing with her. I think there's a difference difference between there's the, she knows that she's a parody of herself. Yeah. I wonder yeah. if she's in a mode. Yeah. I think, oh, big time. <laughs> big time. A lot of stars are. Sorry, I've, we've turned into like a TJ. Yeah, well, anyway, <laughs> the Wedding Singers podcast is still available. Uh, tune in. I was, I was just going to say, when I met, um, whilst I worked at the theatre, which is actually, I saw you there last time, because you came and brought your students in. I wasn't sure it was you, because I didn't know you were a teacher. Oh, at the Orchard? Yes. At Derby? Yes. What a theatre. Uh, but we had Louis Spence for a pantomime one year, and um, and yeah, he's completely different in his own persona. Uh, but when he becomes Louis Spence, once again, air quotation marks. Um, but he, yeah, he's completely switched off. He's just a normal person because, of, of course, oh, yeah. you ha how can you be that <laughs> manic Absolutely. at all points in your life? Yeah, and you, you need to save out. it as well. Yeah, it's burning out is the is the key there, isn't it? You so need you to save it. Turn it on and turn it off. Yeah. Yes, it's, it's not. It's not. Uh, it's an not an unlimited resource. I don't mm. think. Um, well, listen. I really appreciate the fact that all of you have come to have a chat um, with with Adam and myself. I know Adam's, uh, you know, he's pushing the buttons, but we really appreciate the fact that you're there as well, Adam. Thank you, and um, yeah, Chris Garner. Thank you very much thank for joining for us today. Me. And uh, please do post anything you're doing, any of your successes, anything like that. Feel free to share it. We'd love to keep in touch. Thank and what would be amazing? I said this. Um, uh, in a in a short break we had it would be amazing to maybe have you guys back you know you can always join us virtually as well at some point down the line and Charlie you know all the best with your EP and your Christmas tune and thank you. an amazing job you're doing so much for charity and good on you mate because you, you know not enough people do that so thank you um, Elliot thank you mate constantly Pleasure. like I don't I don't say thank you enough to you thank you very much Pleasure, uh, for joining Pleasure. us and and for everything else as well and Danusha is going to the Tokyo Olympics next year Yay. and. Uh, Say hi to Usain and uh, well done and <laughs> thank luck. you all very, very much. We're going to finish up um, with another performance from Charlie. Um, what are you going to perform for us now? We'll do the most depressing song in the world. Brilliant. We're going to do uh, Penny Royalty by Nirvana. Awesome. Wonderful. This is Charlie Barnes with Penny Royalty by Nirvana. time with everyone I have very bad posture
eternally I'm so tired I can't sleep I'm a liar and a thief Sit and drink penny royal tea I'm Lovely Nirvana track. Thank you ever so much. Just wrapping up and finishing up, um, how can we find out more about uh, you, Chris, and the things you're doing uh, with your Julian Garner? What can people do to find out more? Uh, Julian Garner uh, at, at Julian Garner on Instagram um, and at Madame Moomoo Official again on Instagram or moomooexperience.com. Amazing. Okay, Charlie, follow the Hawk stuff. Tell me about that. Where we can find more about you, dude? Yep, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, just look, follow the Hawk. Um, I can't tell you which one's which, but it's either follow the Hawk band or follow Hawk UK. Okay, Elliot, your Revitalised Clinic. Uh, anything else that anybody needs to know? Where can they find you? Yeah, you can find me on Instagram at Elliot John Reed. It's double L, double T, and at www.revitalisedclinic.co.uk. Brilliant. And Danusha, we want to support you for Tokyo, so we want to be cheering from the stands virtually from afar, but how can we do that uh, on your socials? Thank you so much. Um, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Danusha Francis and danushafrancis.co.uk. Amazing. Brilliant. Thank you all so much once more. Thank you very much. Thank Episode you. 12. Is it 12, Adam? Yeah. 12. Episode 12. Thank you, Adam. The Wedding Feelers Podcast. Listen to our podcast. The buffet's closed. We're smaller clubs.